Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Normal conversations with some of the best in their field. So we're always saying you want to learn from the very best. Okay, so you don't want to look at average people. You want to look at the best in the world, the highest level people. So success leaves clues. And you want to make sure that you're tapping highly successful people for, it, for information. So today we're bringing you a very special episode of Meeting of the Minds with the great Dustin Myers from Gut Check. We're going to talk about this. We're going to, we're going to um, talk about strength. We're going to be talking about mindset. Life, the whole shebang. So it's an exciting time. One o'clock as we planned. We are ready to roll. Meeting of the minds. We're going to be bringing this to you on a pretty regular basis. So we're real excited about it. We have some very high-level athletes, high-level coaches. All we're going to discuss great information on performance success and success for sports, for school, for business, and for life. We're going to be throwing some business tips at you. Um, remember, we started this from a non-entrepreneurial family, from a non-entrepreneurial family, so we had to learn how to build a business from the ground up. So a lot of you aspiring entrepreneurs, business owners out there, we're happy to provide you with great information. But yeah, today we're going to be bringing to you live, Dustin. We are excited to have everyone on board. Hmm. And just for the people that were on before, that were on us before on this whole thing, you know that, um, yeah, I wasn't able to record when I was doing an Instagram live. So basically, we're gonna have to rip this off of the screen afterwards. But it doesn't give the option unless someone knows. Please send us the information. That'll go a long way. But I don't, I don't know how to um, go. I don't know how to record a conversation with someone else. I don't know if they allow that. Maybe they don't want to do that because maybe you don't have the other person's permission. Uh, I could record myself. I could save um, a video that I make myself, but I can't save. Right now, I don't know how to save a conversation with someone else. So if you know that, please send it to us. We're always looking to learn ourselves. 
see where we're at. Getting ready to come to you live. Also, if anyone has any questions, in the meantime, I'll go in. I'll go into Magister mode. Ask me questions about anything. It's like the the old Rucker's phone number that we had. Five help. You ask any question, and I answer it. Whether it's about philosophy, whether it's about faith, was whether it's about psychology, whether it's about strength training, whether it's about conditioning. Remember, my whole life has been spent dedicated to learning secrets of success. And what are the best athletes and students and richest people, what do they have in common? Favorite takedown? Low single. It's funny, actually, because back in... So my, my three best... So we tell our athletes, you want to focus on your best three. You keep it simple. So focus on your best three takedowns in neutral. And then on top, you focus on your best three turns. And on bottom, you, you work on... You focus on your best three escapes or reversals. In other words, you don't want to have a lot of garbage going on in your mind at once. You want to be clear. We call that clarity. So when I was going when I was going for my doctorate, and it's even before that actually, my master's in sports psychology, they talk about how to get in the zone, the flow state, that ideal peak performance state. And one of the things they said you need to have is is um, clarity. Or they say clear goals. And I thought clear goals, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense because I mean it does make sense because yeah, okay, you want to have a clear goal, but I can't think about being a state champ when I'm stepping on the mat. Also thinking about winning the match. I really can't even think about winning the match while I'm out there. So I thought, how do we chunk down clear goals to get into a flow state? Well, that means being very clear with what you're looking for, the move you're looking to hit, and that means keeping it simple, narrowing it down. You don't know how many, how many athletes step on the line, how many wrestlers step on the line, not having a plan, what they're doing with their hands. Zeke Jones always used to tell us, what are you doing with your hands? And John Smith talks about you got to be able to make contact with the guy. So what are you doing? So clear goals to me in order to facilitate that flow state is what are your best three moves on neutral, best three moves on top, best three moves on bottom. So for me, it was low single, my elbow post into a high single, and my Russian series, which I have about three moves from. Real good moves, man. Uh, I see Coach Myers on here. I'm going to bring in. All right, we're connecting with the great Dustin Myers. We're going our our live meeting of the minds, informal mindset conversations with people who are at the top of their fields. We don't care about average. <clears throat> hey, what's going on? Hey, what's up, man? How are you? Good, good. How have you been? I've been good, man. Just a little, you know, breaking the action, working on some stuff around the house, and uh, working on my next ebook. And got one training session this morning. Got another one lined up here in about an hour. So you know, just typical day. Awesome. So training sessions for yourself or things you're taking, like you're taking teams through or athletes? No, no, just myself, you know, so we're on a, you know, mandatory stay at home order here in Ohio. So, um, you know, I'm still like for my athletes, for my high school, I'm still sending them workouts to do on their own and stuff like that. But no, just training for myself because my old man workouts in the garage. So. Nice. Nice. I wasn't sure if you were doing like virtual things where you actually like take them through like a series of exercises, anything like that. So I, I've been doing some stuff like that. Like I did one on Facebook Live the other night. Um, and, you know, there was like the, I think Nebraska, USA Wrestling, some other channels kind of pushed it out. And awesome. so we had, it was kind of cool. There was, you know, 10-year-old kids in Nebraska doing the workout along with me and things like that. So, um, you know, I've been doing, I've been trying to do daily content and give people ideas. Yes. I have a, you know, a home ebook that went out and stuff like that. But as far as just actually leading the workouts, you know, I've been kind of just 
just working out on my own and stuff like that. And I think, um, you know, while we're on this subject, something you just mentioned when I, I was listening to your intro, you're talking about, you know, guys going out there and having a plan when they go on the mat. It's kind of the same thing right now with training. You know, most people, their training plans are thrown into a total disarray. Yeah. You know, you're used to, if you're a high school athlete, you're used to, you know, your season's over by now. So maybe you're doing off season lifting or whatever. You're used to your coaches, you know, running the sessions and stuff. Now you're at home. You might not have any equipment. You don't have anything. And I think there's a lot of kids out. I shouldn't even just say kids, a lot of individuals out there. that are still waking up and like saying, all right, I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to work out every day, but they, have, they don't have any idea what to do. They need some structure. And yeah. I'll give you an example of that even for myself, you know, for the past, you know, probably three weeks or so, I've still been kind of my, doing my normal thing, but I'm used to going into my gym every day or going down to the Ohio Regional Training Center. So, you know, it's changed my schedule up and I'm still, you know, working out twice a day. I'm still lifting hard. I'm still doing all kinds of body weight stuff. I'm still doing some type of hard conditioning. But when it comes to conditioning, I'm not doing any type of set plan. Just like, well, I feel like running today, I'll run. I feel like biking today, I'll bike. And I'm in shape. I'm still training hard, but today I was like, you know what? I'm actually going to do like a time mile. Okay. I haven't ran a time mile since last year and I ran a six seventeen, nice. which for me is very slow. You know, last year I was, I ran, you know, five eighteen was my PR oh, wow. in my norm in my normal miles, like a five thirty to five five. So I guess the point is because in my head, I'm just thinking, well, I'm training hard every day. That's enough. In reality, I haven't been following any type of progressive plan or structure. So I'm actually in worse shape than I thought. So that makes sense. That makes sense. Even if we think we're doing it, if we're not, if we're not structured, if we're not moving in a clear direction, it's you're right. Like we might think we're getting better, but maybe we're not in all probability. We're not. Yeah. I mean, it's probably similar to, you know, with your, your mindset course, if someone just sits around and thinks about men being mentally tough or whatever, that's really not going to cut it. They need to have, you know, certain progressions that they follow. So they improve. So same type of thing. I think, uh, you know, times like this, whenever we're, we're thrown into disarray. We have to still try to find, you know, a set schedule to follow. And I'm, we're not, and I'm not just talking about working out, but just in general, you know, one of the things I talked about the other day, um, I, I sent out an email and I told, you know, coaches, coaches, here's the list for you athletes. Here's the list for you. The first thing I put on the athletes list is set your alarm every day. Even if you don't have to wake up and get anywhere because your school's canceled or on delay or whatever, you don't have to go into work, still set your alarm and get up early and start your day. Don't wear pajamas around the house all day still go about your day in a somewhat normal fashion. So that way you can be productive. Yeah, that's great. And that, that's exactly why you'd want to be working with an expert, why someone would want to go to you as opposed to <laughs> um, why, instead of just doing it on your own, because it's real easy to get sucked into that trap. And I'm sure most, most everyone on here, if not everyone, has probably gotten sucked into it to a little bit where, yeah, now we just kind of start freewheeling it and, and it's not a systematic plan, not, not being organized. So that's, that's why you'd want yeah. to have a coach. <laughs> Right. Now, I, I've, I've even been guilty of it myself a little bit, but I've, I've snapped out of it and I feel like I'm back on, like, I'm, I'm back on track, so. That's it. That's all you can do. Attack the right. day. Right, Zach. We just did one of these with um, Zach Evanesh the other day. I thought. Oh, uh, he's a great dude, man. Oh, yeah. We're both Edison guys. We're both from the same um, area in New Jersey. Oh, really? So did you know him at all growing up or anything like that or know of him? Yeah, and, and, one of it, and his brother, Rami, uh, was um he was actually a senior in high school when I was a freshman so like he was one of the guys like I always looked up to but it's funny right. Mike Mike Mal is from Edison yeah yeah and Zach Evanesh is from Edison and me and my brother obviously brothers from Edison so we we're all we we're all same that's, town. that's a, some pretty big personalities all in the same space from the same same town that's pretty cool yeah th three nut jobs right <laughs> <laughs> so how how big is Edison you know city wise 
Yeah, it's, it's one of the biggest. It's one of the biggest cities in New Jersey. I think it's um like like Newark is Newark is the biggest. I, I believe. Wait, it's like Newark, Trenton, Elizabeth, and then I think Edison. It's like top four, top five biggest cities in in Edison to the point where Zach and Mike Mal both went to Edison High School, South Edison, and mm. then. Um, North Edison, guys like us, we go to J.P. Stevens. It's not a private school. It's just the north side of Edison. So, right. yeah, Mike Mal was always a guy we, we, we looked up to growing up. He was in the state finals. Um, the first year, I think I went to Atlantic City just to watch. He was um, in the state finals, and I was like, wow, this is an Edison guy that, that's competing out there. So it's something me and my brothers wanted to do. That's cool. That's really cool. Yeah. How would you get into everything, wrestling and stuff? So I wrestled in high school, but I was kind of a late starter. You know, I didn't start until high school. So I was very, I say very average. I mean, I was strong and that's about all I had, you know. But I think that um, it's one of those things where, and I think you can attest to this, whether you've wrestled your whole life or you only wrestled three years, you're a wrestler, right? And it, um, it had a very big effect on me. I always say, you know, even before that, you know, I was strong and all that stuff, but I wasn't really tough. I wasn't mentally strong. I feel like wrestling is really what hardened me up and took me from being a kid and quote unquote kind of turned me into a man. So, you know, I got into wrestling in high school and then, you know, was still a fan of it when I went to college. I went to Ohio State. Um, one of the questions I get a lot is people say, oh, did you wrestle at Ohio State? I'm like, no, I was not even close to the level of the athletes that, that wrestled there, you know. But um, I <clears throat> was still a fan. And when I went to school there, that was around when like Tommy Rollins and those guys were wrestling there. And um, I ended up meeting him, you know, years later. This would have been uh, 2000. 2009, 2010, right around there. He came out to my gym. We met through like a random, uh, you know, kind of mutual contact. And at that time, you know, he was two years retired from, um, you know, from competing. He'd lost in the Olympic trial finals to Monaco yeah. in 2008. And he retired. And then he said, hey, you know, I want to make a comeback. You know, I've been on the couch for two years. I know that if I'm going to make a comeback, I need to take the strength conditioning part of it serious. And I just looked at it as like, wow, this is a great opportunity to, you know, work with someone, an athlete of this yeah. stature. So I started helping Tommy and, you know, just kind of worked with him from 2010 to 2012, helped him prepare for the trials. Um, he was ended up being runner up to, you know, again, to Jake Varner, you know, so very close. And then, you know, as we know, Jake went on to win the Olympic gold, which in my opinion, almost made it worse, you know, because it's like, oh, we were just so close, you know. Yeah. And yeah. um but anyway, so then after that, that was kind of my introduction to the Ohio State program. You know, at that time, he, then he stepped away from competing, but he introduced me to Lou Roselli and everyone down at the RTC. And I went down and started, you know, on a volunteer basis at first, uh, working with, uh, you know, Humphrey and Escobedo and those guys. And yeah. after about, you know, long story short, after about a year and a half, um, I started kind of working with the team in some capacity. At first, I was just working with some of the guys that were redshirting. Maybe when the guys were injured, couldn't train with the normal team, you know, I would work with them. And then... That just kind of evolved. I gained, you know, the staff's trust. You know, Tom and all those guys trusted me. And I started kind of took over through my role as the RTC strength coach. I took over the strength program for Ohio State and ran it for about four years. And, you know, we've had, had a really good run. We had some incredible athletes there. We won, you know, the only team title in school history and three Big Ten titles and, you know, a lot of individual accolades as well. Um, and then I'm still the RTC coach. I stepped away from my role of – you know, training the actual college guys, but I still work with, you know, Tomasello, Miles Martin, and those guys. Yeah, that's so awesome. that's, that's, the, that's the long story and a short version right there. No, that's, that's great. I, I, I must have missed you because I was there in June. I, sp I spoke to the team back in June in the RTC. Um, I, was, I was speaking. Yeah, I, I, remember seeing, I remember seeing the content. I remember you saw you had uh, Quinn Kenner do the mindset blast and stuff. I saw it. So. That, 
second time I was there. So back in June, I was in Ohio to speak at the state volleyball coaches convention because, you know, we played okay. other sports since then. And then I was there mm -hmm. again in December. That was when um, uh, Quinn did the, uh, the Monset Blast. And that, okay. that was for the National High School Baseball Coaches Convention. So that was pretty cool. So I happened to be in town. So I asked the coaches, you know, you want me to come in, stop in, say something mm -hmm. to the guys? And they said, yes. Yeah. So we coordinated it. So you work with other sports then too, not just all in the wrestling space. Yeah, yeah. And that was always my intention. My intention was always to build it out to all sports. But mm -hmm. I learned from reading different business books that you need to niche market because when you're speaking to everyone, you're actually speaking to no one. Right. right. So, so we honed in and we said, okay, let's make it wrestling mindset. And then as we grew and everything had some success there, we said, okay, now let's make, let's same model, same mindset, the essence of the mindset lessons are the same. But then we got higher level athletes from tennis, golf, soccer, volleyball, basketball, and they tweak the wording so the sport, the situations are specific to their sport. So, so how would you say that, like, I mean, this might be too general of a question, but like, let's say, you know, something like wrestling, where there's so many variables, and a match, you know, goes on for, well, yeah, I mean, on the on the timer, six or seven minutes, but over a 10 minute period, there's so many ebbs and flows. How does that differ from like, let's say, like in baseball, where it's like, you have only very few situations over the course of a game where everything's on you. You step up to the plate and it's do or die right then. And then it's, you know, a lot of time off. You know what I mean? I, I would think, you know, wrestling would be one of those things where you can get very nervous before, but then once you're in it, you're in it. Whereas baseball or another sport like that. Now I never played baseball, so I don't know, but I would feel like there would be kind of like one of those things where you might feel like you're in it, then you step up and then it's a very like you either do it or you don't type of thing. It's, you know, it's just different parameters for sport, right? So, like, with, with wrestling, obviously, there's an element of, if you beat me, you're a better man than me, right? It's like right. two men enter, one man leaves, that kind of thing, right? So that's that's what wrestling brings to the table mentally. With baseball, you have a unique thing where it's a it's a team sport, but it's not really a team sport in the sense of... Right. It is, but it's not. Like, there's individual moments in the team sport. Whereas, like, a And it's, like, a very precise skill application... In, it's yeah. not about who's tougher when they stepped up to the plate or, yeah. you know, it's not about if the pitcher is in great shape at that moment or whatever. It's, it's very skill oriented in a very specific time. Right. Right. So there's that. And then gymnastics is a sport where you could actually get hurt doing a certain like pass, doing a certain like flip series. And then all of a sudden, okay, now you got to go back like, like, like a, a woman on the beam. Now she's got to get back on the beam after an injury and she can pressure to perform, but she can get hurt again doing that same skill. So that, that right. makes very, you know, and then obviously you have like an MMA where you could actually get hurt. You know, they're trying to hurt you. Right, right. And then, and then a sport like golf, you have like basically you're thinking more than you're actually playing. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and it goes over the course of hours. So mm -hmm. each sport, the, the, the performance, um, the keys to performance are the same. Mindset's the same, but you have to apply them to different parameters, Right. That makes sense. It's interesting. Yeah, and that's why that's why we when when I wanted to expand this whole operation into different sports, I needed to find experts in each sport to understand the gist of the lesson that I was giving and now apply it to that sport. Like as an example, if I talk about um, confidence week three, I know that refers to to body language. Okay, so strong body language, confident body language is a little bit different in wrestling versus lacrosse versus baseball. You know, so we just, right. I mean, it's important in every sport. You just need to know, it'd be important for being in the weight room. Like 
Why yeah, how does sitting? it how does it apply to that particular yeah. area? Why are you sitting why are you sitting down in between sets? Right? And, and if you're in the weight room, it's like why aren't you on your feet the whole time? Why or you know, maybe the average gym goer, why are you why are you texting on your phone? Your phone should be in your bag, right? Like that kind of thing. Right. Yeah, one of the things that I always harp on people, you know, we always have loud music in my gym, but I can't stand when people have headphones on in the gym because I think there needs to be, even if you're lifting by yourself, I feel like there needs to be some interaction between you and the, you know, the other people that are in the gym. So that's one of the things I always tell people, like, get your headphones off when you're in the gym. You know, be, a, be immersed in, the, in there. And part of a, you're part of a community at that moment, you know. There's nothing worse I hate when I see someone in the gym and they might ask me a question or whatever, and I go to tell them the answer, and they're like, oh, wait, hold on. And they got to take their, their earbuds out or whatever. It's like, you know, yeah. I, feel, I feel like it's a, it's a big distraction. Definitely, and especially if you're being coached. You got an expert in the room, you're going to want to hear what they're saying. <laughs> right, right. And it's kind of like a no-brainer there. I don't know, that's just my thoughts there. Yeah. Yep. I have a question for you here, because we see a lot of, like, injuries and everything in sports and overuse injuries. Mm -hmm. People are specializing at a younger age. And I remember when I became a personal trainer, like, years ago, back in, I don't know, 2011, 2012, they had us learning, like, the FMS, and they talked about, like, mobility and stability. They talked a lot more about mm -hmm. rehab, um, tendon strength, uh, joint strength, you know, those kind of different things. And obviously, I think that was not really emphasized back when I started competing, but I think that's like, that's, they kind of, that is, that's the foundation pyramid. You can't build function on top of um, What are some of your thoughts about that? And, and like, what would you do from, with an athlete who's maybe starting from scratch to make sure to prevent those? Well, I think one, I think one of the most, I think one of the most important things is you have to train the athlete as a, as a, as a total unit, right? So when it, from a strength training standpoint, if we only specialize in certain things or want to just, people naturally want to gravitate towards the things they like to do. Like, well, if I'm good at bench, I want to bench all the time. Yeah, yeah. Or, hey, if I'm a good squatter, I want to squat a lot, but I don't want to deadlift. Or I don't want to do, you know, so I think we have to try to approach the body as a whole unit. And I still do a lot of kind of, you know, we'll call, we'll call them, you know, specific strength movements. Right. But I also do lots of quote unquote functional movements as well. So I think you have to do both. I think also too, your strength plan has to have a component to it that is designed to prevent injury and prevent, um, you know, strength imbalances. So there's certain stuff that we do, you know, prehab based stuff that I do every day, you know, so different stuff for hip extension stuff, you know, for the glutes, the hamstrings, the low back, uh, you know, for the rotator cuff, things like that. I do every day as part of my workout or part of my warm up. I don't think, okay, well, just gonna bench it today. doesn't mean I can't do any legs. No, I can still do, you know, sled drags and glute bridges and adductor squeeze and things like that to make sure that those, number one, that those things are turned on and firing, that they're not asleep right. at the wheel. So a lot of times that is why people get, you know, why someone might injure something. It's because like, oh, why did you throw out your low back when you bent over to grab, you know, your laundry basket? It wasn't because that laundry basket's heavy. It's because your glutes are asleep because you've been sitting down all day. And now when you go to pick that up, because your glutes are asleep, your lower back has to try to jump in and work for, the, for your glutes. So those are the type of things that happen. Usually why people get hurt is because their body's not functioning how it's supposed to. Things get turned off, you know. So the more kind of, you know, activation and prehab and things like stuff like that we can do to make sure our body is kind of awake, online, the machine is ready to go, the less chance you're going to have of injury. That makes sense. So, and, and that gives the importance of warming up. Those kind of, now, what about, like, let's say someone like me who my shoulder mobility is crap. 
you know, you're supposed to be able to tuck your arms behind your back, that whole thing. I'm so far from Yeah, I can't do that either. I can't do that either, but. <laughs> but but then I feel like that throws off my squat because now I'm leaning more forward. And like my, lo right. my lower back, I would say is disproportionately strong, probably because that muscle's always firing. But then other muscles right. are disproportionately weaker. Like my quads are not as strong as they should be. My lower back is stronger. And it probably is a lot. To, it stems from the mobility and the stability. I don't know. Well, well, a couple of things there. Number one, um, you know, with you being a wrestler, most wrestlers, are their yeah. body is adapted to being right here. Yeah. You know, and so to be here, yeah. that doesn't feel comfortable or, you know, so I see a lot of wrestlers that they try to do something overhead. They're here because yeah. their body is specialized for here. Now, being specialized to be right here, that helps you for wrestling, right. but it hurts you for strength training and just for general life. So I, that's why I always tell, you know, my, my athletes, we talk about, okay, when, if you get a shoulder injury on the mat, where does it happen? It happens when you're extended Here. on a single. That's what Yes, because your body's not strong there. You don't have the stability or the mobility there. So now I don't expect you to wrestle there because we don't want to be there, right? We want to be here when we wrestle. But we need to train and get your body strong in those positions. So, like, number one, we do something um, – well, actually, I'll get back to that in a second. So that's one thing, you being specialized as a wrestler. The other thing is you're from New Jersey. You probably do a lot of bench press. So you did a lot of bench press. Everyone loves the bench, right? Same thing here in Ohio. We got that whole meat hood thing. We, we want to bench. I love the bench press. But what happens is when you bench press more often, either volume-wise, then you're doing, you know, pulling movements, you develop an imbalance and your, your shoulders roll forward. That's just part of it. So um, I recommend all athletes, but especially wrestlers, to make sure the volume of their training during the week is a two-to-one pulling-to-pushing ratio. That's Meaning, for, yeah, so for every exercise that I do pushing, and I, that means push-ups, dips, yeah. bench press, dumbbells, all that, I need to do twice as much pulling over the course of the week. Now, that doesn't all have to be heavy rows. It can even be, you know, on my bench press days, if I do, you know, a set of heavy five, I'll do face pulls in between with a band for like 20 or 25 reps. So not the right. same intensity, but still getting that pulling movement. So... You have to try to even things out that way. Um, and then as far as, you know, talking about the mobility and talking about the specialization of wrestlers, I always have my guys do a lot of overhead work as part of what we do, what we call, you know, GPP, general physical preparedness. So we do, you know, heavy overhead carries, you know, single kettlebell carries to get your body used to being strong in that position so that when you are in this position, your lats understand how to stabilize, your rotator cuff, your labrum, all understands how to stabilize this position so that when you get here, your body doesn't freak out, lose stability, and you get a shoulder injury. Would you do that with the kettlebell or with dumbbells where you just walk like this? You can, you can do both. We use it a lot for – we'll do a kettlebell. You know, for my younger guys, I'll have them start with a dumbbell because the kettlebell is a little bit less stable. But, you know, for my – my you know older high school guys and my elite guys we do a kettlebell and then we'll also do for my um you know for my college guys we use what's called a bamboo bar so it's like a earthquake bar it's like a pvc pipe you hang kettlebells from it and that one really yeah. shakes a good bit yeah it's a lot harder that's that's good and, and like if i if i had a kettlebell i could just walk with one i don't have the two kettlebells right here but you go one and then walk. yeah well you perfect you purposely want to do one and then you switch after so far and the reason is not only are we working our, our shoulder mobility and the stability there, we're also working our core stability. So we're unbalanced. So if I do it with, if I have a 40 pound kettlebell in each hand, that's going to be easier for me than just doing one kettlebell because now 
my body's going to want to go here, but right. to stay here is a lot tougher because now I had to fight that anti-rotation. That, yeah, those are good. Those are good points. And I think that's, that stuff's a lot more of like the way of the future. Otherwise you just see these overuse injuries and, and real, you know, high level athletes just getting hurt at a younger age. For sure. And I think, you know, you always hear people talk about overtraining and I do understand you have, you know, from a, physiological standpoint it is i guess in theory possible to overtrain but most of the time when i hear people saying they're overtrained they're not overtraining the human body is capable of so much yeah i mean i went out i i ran hard this morning but guess what there's someone somewhere right now training for a 100 mile race the ultra marathons you know right. so even though the couple miles i ran today felt really difficult people are doing way more than what i did so yeah. when i hear people say they're overtraining i think well no you're probably under recovering you're probably not training holistically, you know, so maybe you're overtraining certain areas. Yeah, maybe you're doing tons of bench press, but you're not doing any pulling movements. So you are going to feel overtrained and out of balance. So I think the smarter that people can train, then the more intensity and the more volume you can put into it. So a lot of these overuse injuries aren't because someone wrestles all year. It's because they wrestle all year and they don't do proper recovery. Their nutrition is not good. And their, tra their supplemental training they're doing with their wrestling is not helping them eliminate those strength deficiencies. Yeah. yeah I, I, I <laughs> so I mean, I'm sure, you know, being very familiar with probably West Side Barbell being over there in Columbus. Yeah. So, like, like I, I watched a lot of their stuff. I know that's more specific towards powerlifters. They talk about, you mm -hmm. know, like Louis Simmons talked about special exercises, right? And I guess that's basically working on your weaknesses. That's kind of a similar thing. Right. right? Like, like if, if Yeah, definitely. Yeah, if a guy's underdeveloped in a certain area, you... Sorry, Gene. Hey, Gene, you, you, you cut out, Gene. I didn't hear anything you said. Uh, oh, no, I was saying, I would, I would assume it's, it's similar, like those special exercises. They're trying to balance out the body parts that aren't firing properly or they're not up to speed with, with their strength. And um, so they're doing that. Right? It's probably a similar thing to what you were saying there, or no? Absolutely. Now, now how does that kind of... Yeah, I, I would say similar. How would how would you say, is is there any kind of training a wrestler can learn from Westside? Should they stay away from that entirely? Like obviously, look, we say the same thing when it comes to wrestling or sports. We're mindset specific to sports, right? So like again, you you have mind you have um strength training specific to sports. So obviously, it would make sense for anyone who wants to learn sports to learn from a sports strength coach. It makes right. sense. That's your training. Yeah. So yeah. So, no, I, I have a great relationship with Louie and the guys, over, you know, Tom Barry, the guys over at Westside Barbell. I've learned a ton of, from them over the years. Uh, my gym is actually a Westside Barbell certified gym. There's only a few of those in the U.S. Um, so I, I don't powerlift myself anymore, but I do use elements of powerlifting and stuff that I've learned from them as far as their dynamic method and things like that. I use elements of that in my training for wrestlers because there's certain things, there's certain bases I got to cover with my wrestlers. You know, we got to work on our absolute strength. We need to work on our strength endurance. We need to work on our functional conditioning and our work capacity. So I have to check all of those boxes. And of course, if I need to build absolute strength, then I need to learn from the best, which are, you know, Louis Simmons and the guys at Westside Barbell. So there are elements of, of that stuff that I use, but I think to say, okay, I'm a wrestler. I want to train specifically just as a powerlifter. No, I don't think that's ideal. No. Um, the but same thing, you know, if, if, you know, if I'm a wrestler and I say, all right, I'm just going to follow a bodybuilding program. Yeah. Yes, that's going to make me stronger and bigger, but it's still not ideal for yeah. wrestling.
that's what, and that was the problem that I made back in high school. I would get these like Iron Man magazines, and I'm like, all right, these guys right. are back, so I just got to lift like these guys. So I'm doing like four sets of ten with you know mm -hmm. th that kind of weight and everything, and and then I real, and then as time went on, I was like, you know, maybe I should be lifting more like a power lifter who's, who's in a weight class going for strength. But really, you're still not thinking because no, you're not thinking like a bodybuilder or a power lifter. You should be lifting like a wrestler. Well, yeah, I think you have to do. I take a little bit of everything, you know? Like I said, I, we use powerlifting elements to build our absolute strength. I use a lot of almost kind of strong, quote unquote, strongman type, type stuff to build, you know, our functional strength and our work capacity. I still use elements of bodybuilding straight. So it really just depends on what the goal of the workout is. So, I mean, there's a lot of variables, but sure. when they say they do, you know, six times 60 yards, I think that's when they're doing it just as a general warm up is what, what they use that for. Okay. Yeah, no, you're right. It always depends. I tell people all the time, the goal dictates the behavior. You don't just do things just to do them. Like, of course, I have a, of course, I have like a, a cookie cutter program that I could take people through for. But, of course, when you're dealing with individual, you have that and that becomes guideline rather than gospel. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think I think maybe one of the other things for wrestlers, if you're looking at you know West Side or powerlifting systems, just in general, obviously they they are they're training for powerlifting, so they're training for three lifts. They need to be proficient in the, in the bench, the squat, and the deadlift. Right. I still I still use bench press with all my athletes, but we use that so that we're well rounded and we're strong everywhere. We're not doing it just to get strong at bench. So a lot of what they do is geared towards increasing their bench press. We don't need to increase our bench press as wrestlers just for the sake of getting a better bench press. So a lot of accessory work that they do is geared towards that. So I, I think that is probably you know, not necessary. Whereas they, a lot of, you know, kind of lat work and grip work and stuff is kind of secondary for them because it's not as important for right. their sport. So they don't, you know, I, I've never seen them do bicep curls, you know, and bicep curls are one of those things that, that there's a lot of like university level strength coaches that almost feel like, you know, bicep curls are too basic and you don't see them doing it with their athletes. And I say, as a wrestler, how many times a match do you go like this? You do it over and over and over again. You need to have strong forms, strong biceps. So in my mind, the bicep curl is a great accessory exercise for wrestlers. Why would you not want your biceps to be as strong as possible and your forms to be as strong as possible? So I think that, um, you know, that's something that, that powerlifters don't do. And even a lot of university level strength coaches I, I just feel like they don't, they think it's like too dumb of an exercise, you know, but I use it with all my guys and, you know, I, none of my guys have ever been accused of being weak. So that's kind of my stance on curls. <laughs> that's, that's a good point. I know Louis Simmons is missing one of his biceps, maybe both of them. <laughs> yeah, they, I know some of those guys have like tore their bicep off deadlifting before because they're deadlifting enormous amounts of weight. Yeah, that's that. That's nuts. Yeah, because I guess I was thinking, like, now how about now? What about like triceps? Because after a while, I started thinking, well, maybe I shouldn't have been doing like an excess of like curls or tricep pushdowns. Maybe when I was in high school, because it's not so. It's maybe isolating too much. Maybe I should have been doing more of a compound movement. Yeah, so I, I think you know, I think bicep isolation movements are good. I think as far as triceps, I think you still need to do you know, something as an accessory. So we'll use either like, you know, dumbbell skull crushers or something like that. But I think doing like an overabundance of them, probably like how I used to train and you used to like train, you know, I would do like supersets of push downs and overhead stuff like that. I might do stuff like that now just for fun. Yeah. But as far as for wrestlers competing, I don't think it's really necessary now yeah. that they still need to train their triceps because there is still a pushing element to wrestling. You know, like when I'm in a, 
when I'm in my referee's position, I'm in my base. If my triceps are weak, someone's going to be able to break me down easier. Uh, in the hand fight, you know, there's still a pushing and pulling element to it. But, yeah, I think you're, you're dead on. You know, I don't think we need to prioritize, you know, isolation movements for, like, you know, shoulder flies from the deltoids and tricep press sounds and things like that. You kind of you throw in, like, uh, like, maybe two or three sets with that just as, like, an ancillary at the end? Yeah, for sure. Okay. And now how about one of the things I saw um, was um, training your tendons more than you're even training your muscles. It, does, that, does that pertain to wrestling as it does to powerlifting? Um, you know, I don't, I don't know. I hear stuff like that a lot. You know, people say, well, you have to develop tendon strength or stuff like that. And I think there's different almost kind of theories about how you do it. And kind of my understanding is a lot of this tendon strength stuff is just doing almost like repetitive prehab type movement, you know? So I think, you know, so whether it's, you know, band pull-aparts, you know, like, you know, hamstring curls with bands and different things like that. I think those things are all good. I look at it as like sprinkle that stuff in, in between your main movements. You know, if I told someone like, Hey, you have to do this tendon strength program and it's 20 minutes a day and you have to do it every day. Most people are not going to want to do it. But if I say, okay, in between your main lifts, in between your sets of squats, grab a band, do your pull aparts, do your, the hamstring mobility, different things like that. That's kind of how I sprinkle the stuff into the training. So that way it gets done as part of active recovery. Oh, okay. Oh, cause I remember hearing a while ago that it was, oh, you know, like take the, take the band, do, um, what do you call it? Good mornings. Throw, you know, step on the band, doing the good mornings, doing leg curls. You know, you hook the, the hook the bands up. You do it with your legs, right. leg curls, or you do you can do extensions, I guess, too, or like step on the band and do fast curls. Throw the band over the door, do some tricep extensions. I don't know, like the. Well, again, what are your thoughts? No, I. I mean, I think throwing that stuff in between is good. I think the other thing you have to remember too, when you're, you know, I'm guessing you that was probably something you heard from Westside, right? Yeah, from yeah. those guys that were like. So the, the thing you have to remember with those guys, they also do not have to go to wrestling practice. Right, right. And those guys are not doing outside of their training for powerlifting. Yeah. Um, they're not doing, you know, other athletic things. They're not running. You know, they're not doing road work. They're not, right. you know, doing, you know, other functional movements. So I think that is something where maybe some of the stuff that I would get or my athletes get from, you know, doing high volume sled work or, you know, running every day or biking every day or doing stance motion they're getting that from these repetitive movements with the bands. Does okay. that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So you see, my, my strength knowledge base is like kind of a little bit scattered. It's like, watched a lot of West Side videos over here. Watch, watch some of your stuff, some of Zach Avanesh's stuff, right? And, like, and different books I've read. Like I have the, the Tudor Bompa books on, on periodization training. Learned about mm -hmm. some, some of that stuff. We talks about like his five laws for strength training, like develop, like what is it, joint flexibility, then tendon strength, then like, those those kind of things uh learns about the fms from becoming a personal trainer like right. so it's kind of like scattered it's not brought together of course nearly like how, how you do it for with athletes so it's i love hearing your take on that also heard one just one other thing that i had was um uh dr chu who i guess who talks about complex training where pairing an exercise with a plot like right after doing a plyometric movement immediately after doing one of the compact mm -hmm. lifts so and yep. i had him thinking like Okay, well, maybe if I was going to train a wrestler, not that I do that, but like maybe I would do the complex training, or maybe lean more towards this or that. So it's, it's well, yeah. No, I, I I use that a lot. You know, it's um we call it, and we call it contrasting. You know, it's complex contrast, it's got the same yeah. thing. So I'll do a lot of plyometric contrasting, but I do it when our goal is to develop power. So it's basically we do it, you know, either in season or especially towards the end of season when we start doing it. 
And the idea is, think of it as almost like priming the pump. You know, so you do that heavy movement to kind of prime the pump, and then you go into your plyometric movement. And so we'll, we'll, we'll pair similar movements, like say we'll pull a heavy deadlift right into a broad jump because we're doing a very similar movement. Or we'll do a, you know, a, uh, a, heavy, squ you know, a heavy squat movement right into a box jump. But I think, and I think, you know, it's a great thing to add at the right time of year. I think doing it right now is, is kind of pointless because we don't necessarily need to, to work on fine-tuning your fast-switch muscle right now. Right now, you want to build your absolute strength, you know, because your, your competition schedule is pretty right. far away. Right. Um, but I think if I had to say the one mistake that almost everyone, or, you know, I, should, I shouldn't say almost everyone, but most wrestling coaches make when they, when they program plyometrics for the team is they do too many. They, do it, they turn it into a conditioning modality. Yeah. So it's like, okay, we're at the end of practice. Hey, we want to we wanna get, you know, build our fast twitch. So we're going to do a minute of box jumps and then a minute of burpees and a minute of this. Cardio. And if you're doing that for conditioning, that's great. But a box jump, if we're trying to build our power, our fast twitch muscle, once we've done one or two reps, our fast twitch muscles are done firing. Now we're using our slow twitch and we're doing a conditioning modality. So I think we just have to be careful and say, hey, okay, if we want to do box jumps for conditioning, that's fine. But if we want to do box jumps to build power, then we need to do it in a way like we, like you just talked about, where we pair it. I do two heavy reps on the squat, and I go right into two heavy jumps, and then I have a long recovery before I go back to it. So that way, my body's recharged, and I can give a maximal effort to it. Makes sense. Yeah. So, so it's, yeah. So it's kind of like just like the band work because the wrestler's time is limited, right? You have the wrestling practice on top of it. You would build in the plyos. You wouldn't, you wouldn't do a separate workout altogether for the plyos. You would build it into that strength training session. I mean, you can. Uh, yeah, you can. I'm just saying that's the way I typically do it. Now, if you want to do a whole workout with plyometrics, then you can do a separate session. But if you're doing it to build speed and power, there needs to be good recovery in between. Yeah, like that's that's my that was my understanding of plyometrics always that it's right. like every every rep you do it's got to be like the express train like one hundred percent maximal time. effort. Yes. Yeah, it, it can't be like a you know recover fully and then hit it. That's how it's supposed to be. Right. Yeah. Okay. You know those those are good points. So I guess that would be so building it more in so like you building the band work into the into the um you know the workout the strength workout. And then also building in the plyometrics as opposed to like saying, okay, well, two days a week do plyometrics as a separate time. Maybe that's good in theory, but kids are in school, kids have practice. There's a lot of things going on. So you've got to work with the world kind of. Yeah, I, definitely. And I, you have limited time with your team. And obviously there's different ways to do things. I always try to stress people, hey, just because I say, you know, that I do it this way or that you should do it this way doesn't mean it's the only way. But, you know, there's a million, there's a million different ways to skin a cat, right? So right. But I always say, you know, even, you know, my way is not the only way, but my way does work. You know, I, I found, you know, I, I've had a lot of success with athletes and, but, but you know, my way is not the only, the only way out there. So. <laughs> yeah. It, I, I feel like it's a sim I feel like it's a similar thing with, yeah, similar kind of thing with mindset there where, okay, I try to, what I try to do is create a cookie cutter plan because obviously you could systematize and you can scale it better. Right. I said, well, what do most athletes need most of the time? And, and at different points of the year, right. put that together. 
And then, of course, when you deal with the individual, there's always going to be little tweaks and everything here and there. So the thing that I'm Absolutely. always thinking about, whether it's, whether it's strength training or plyometrics or tendons or, or mobility stability is, okay, what would be a good cookie cutter to follow to give most people most of the time that people could follow as a general rule? And then, of course, that doesn't, that doesn't mean you wouldn't go to a strength coach or a mindset coach. You would say, okay, that's the cookie cutter. Now you need this strength coach to make sure that you're really maximizing your potential. You're getting every right. drop of your potential out of you and you're not hurting yourself. So, yep. yeah. Yeah, I, I think, uh, I mean, I'll give you an example. So I have like, you know, I have eBooks available that have my strength plans in them. And I have, I'll give you an example because this is a New Jersey guy. I have a guy, a kid that I work with in, uh, in New Jersey, PJ Casal from Del Barton, just won a state title as a sophomore. 220 really really good kid but anyway so he'd been following my strength ebooks for the past couple years so he follows my off-season plan well now for since september i actually work you know kind of in a one-on-one -on -one basis with him we have a skype call every week i send him his workouts yeah we touch base on sundays we go over the workouts i tweak things whatever so i still work you know kind of i use my off-season program which he was already doing we still use that as our base but now i've tweaked that to what his individual needs are so it's not like I'm giving him something completely different from what is already available. Right. Someone could already go, they can go purchase my, my off-season volume two ebook that's already there, and they would be doing something similar to what he's doing. But I've taken it now, instead of it being a four-day plan, you know, he's doing a six-day plan. And we've made some things very specific to what his strengths and weaknesses are. So that would be kind of the, the same type of thing. That, that makes a lot of sense. And again, because there's, there's two things we're always balancing, right? We're trying to do... We're trying to really maximize each kid. And at the same time, we have a business. We have bills to pay. So we got to make a living, too. So it's like, absolutely. so you have people where, okay, I could get you maybe 70 or 80% of the way if you follow this cookie cutter plan. But there's always going to be guys that want to get every drop of their potential and really maximize to make sure they get everything they possibly can. For those people, absolutely. They're, the, they're the ones who are going to do the individual coaching with you. They're the ones who right. are our individual program. But it's just, some people aren't in the financial situation, obviously. And then there's other people who, you know, maybe for a lot of people, good enough is good enough. Like their goals aren't as high. And then, okay, they're going to do the 80% plan. Hey, that's still going to be very good. So there's a place kind of for both of them. Yeah, definitely. There's, there's definitely a place. It depends on what everyone's situation is. And, you know, I always, I always tell people, hey, if you can, if you, at the bare minimum, if you can follow the plan that I have available for the masses, you're going to be way ahead of everyone else. So, you know, yeah. that's kind of the thing. <laughs> Obviously, the more the most ideal situation is, hey, come to me in Patasco, Ohio, and train with me one on one every day. That is not a reality for most people. So we have to have you know different options available. Same thing with you guys. Yeah, yeah, we're speaking the same language. It's it's crazy because when we talk about it, it's like wow, it's like it's literally the same kind of thing. You know, you have going that we have going. It's just a different area. It's just a different domain, and both are important, right? Like we we're, we're always saying, yep. yes, of course, wrestling is tremendously mental, but there's so many different dimensions that if if you're not maximizing your potential and strength in nutrition, in your rest and recovery, forget about it. You're just not going to, you're, you're going to, you're going to eventually run up against someone who is, and you're not going to beat that person. Well, and the, there's always going to be areas where they overlap too. You know, I always think that there is. As far, you know, we always talk about mental toughness. You can build mental toughness in your training, in your strength training, and in your conditioning. You can gain confidence in your performance because of the amount of work you put in. And the flip side of that is, you can become better at strength training by, you know, mastering the mental side of it and believing yourself and understanding how to push yeah. through discomfort. So 
those those two things, the, the two areas are always going to be yeah. tied together in that way. Yeah, no, no, you nailed it. It's, they're not mutually exclusive because we're dealing with, right. we're dealing with the holistic, right? There's, a, they're, yeah, not mutually exclusive. There's going to be overlap, of course. Yeah, Absolutely. That's great stuff. That's why I really wanted to do all these kind of meetings of the minds and us talking because it's just, it's just great for people to see that the success principles are similar, if not the same, across different domains. And anytime, yeah, it may, it may, it may look like different worlds, but it's not. Exactly. Exactly. No, that's awesome stuff, Dustin. I appreciate um, it. I, yeah, I, man, I, I appreciate you having me on today. It was fun chopping it up. We'll have to do it again sometime. Anytime you want to do it, definitely. I got some notes here that I took from you. It's all great stuff. I, hope <laughs> I, really, I really hope all of our viewers that you took this serious, you watch it, um, watch it again, take notes, because that's how you learn. You study the best people. And, uh, and oh, what could, um, where could people go to find more information from you? The ebook you mentioned, how do, how do they yep. get to you? Yeah, so the yeah, so the easiest thing is to follow either my, my Instagram page at Coach Myers underscore gut check. I put daily content on there to try to help you guys. I'm going to get ready to go film a strength tip uh, for today. Um, so anyway, that's probably the easiest way. I, I always respond to DMs when people have questions and things like that. Um, I have tons of ebooks available. You know, they're used by athletes and coaches all over the world, even, you know, D1 programs you know, right, right here in the, in the United States, a lot of major D1 programs that use my strength uh, eBooks as their guide already. I have a new one that just came out at home uh, wrestling strength edition. So for any of you athletes that are stuck at home, can't go to your gym, can't go to your school, you have limited to no equipment. This lays out a structured plan for you to follow. Uh, you can get that either at oldschoolgym.com or the link in my bio on my Instagram page. And I hope I really hope all of our viewers take advantage of that. It's very important to take what people can give you. And if you want to be successful, you have to be a ferocious learner. You need to be all highly successful people. They're aggressive learners, and they capitalize on these kind of opportunities. So I really hope everyone checks out your stuff. And, um, yeah, let's, let's do it again. Thanks, Gene. I appreciate it, man. Stay right, in touch. Take care. See you, buddy. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.